Hello and welcome to the Black Anna's Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Misty, and for this episode, I'm going rogue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Um, I have not put an episode out in, what, a year or something like that? So, it's, it's, it's a comeback episode. It's a heartwarming tale of triumph over adversity in making a podcast. Anyway, um, so lots to tell you guys. Uh, thank you for sticking with me after such a long hiatus. We have had so much going on in our regular lives. It's just been absolutely insane. Um, I I know some of you before knew I, I had a job. I was a, um, a carer for, uh, I did palliative care. I looked after people who were dying. And as some of you also might know, I have uh, PTSD fairly severely. And I was able to cope for a while, but then I ended up having a complete breakdown. I mean, I, I completely broke. I didn't get out of bed for like three months. I put on a bunch of weight, which sucks, but you know, it'll come off. <laughs> um, and it, I just, I was having a really hard time. So I've gotten on some medication and I've gotten into therapy and I've just really been concentrating on sort of healing myself and getting adjusted to not being at work it's very weird when you leave a job you and you and you realize okay I'm not gonna be working for a while and I'm not supposed to be looking for a job so you just sit in your house and you're just like what, what, what do I do what do I do now I feel like I should be doing about a million things but you know I uh, so it was a, a little bit of an adjustment period um, Rosemary my oldest daughter I know some of you knew she was having some problems in school with bullies and things like that. She's 14 now and was, you know, she's the weird kid. She's the kid with the blue hair and like, you know, that listens to sort of punk music and, and things like that and got fucked with by all the idiotic little mainstream shitbags that are running around all over the place and asked me if I would start homeschooling her. So I did that. We pulled her out of school. And I was so worried about this because, you know, I'm from America. I live in the UK now, but I'm from America. And over there, the people that homeschool in the States are always like these really fucking weird religious nuts that like don't want their kids to know that dinosaurs are a thing and, you know, just shit like that. So I was, I was worried, but she was old enough to where it was like, well, if other homeschooling people are like that, we don't really have to be around them because she can just be around like my friends and stuff like she is anyway um but it turns out over here right the homeschooling community is a bunch of hippies it is just like a bunch of hippies that are just not cool with 
how organized the public system, school system is, and oh, they just teach you to memorize shit. They don't actually teach you anything, you know, how to think critically and things like that. And I was blown away by it. It was just like, oh, fuck yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. Um, so it's been a good experience, but again, um, it took some time to set it all up and get into some sort of routine, you know. Uh, meanwhile, then, my adorable co-host, who is not here with me today, uh, he's just been busy. Obviously, when I had my breakdown, he was a single parent for like three months. He had to do everything. He had to sort the kids out. He had to get them to school. He had to, you know, clean the house, cook the meals, all of it. And he did it like an absolute star. I mean, he didn't complain. He didn't, uh, you know, he, he has been so amazing. I, I, I can't even believe a person exists in this world that is so selfless, you know. I mean, it, he's just been fantastic. So, um... He was giving me some editing lessons so I could get this show and work on another one that I might be bringing to Legion. Just a heads up that might be coming pretty soon. And uh, he's, he's just, by the time he stops for the day, you know, which is normally when we would record, he's just trying to like chill out, have a hot bath, and play some video games and relax. And I don't fucking blame him one bit. So I said, well, you know, I, I'm ready to bring the show back. So I'll bring the show back. And whenever you're ready to come back, then come back, you know. But knowing Ben, <laughs> when I'm working on this episode, uh, I probably will not be editing the way he thinks it should be done, and so he'll end up probably being back for the next episode and taking taking over with that side of things, because it'll drive him crazy watching me do it. <laughs> but, you know, if not, he'll be back as soon as he can. He does miss being on. Uh, he misses watching movies and things like that, and, you know, whenever he found out I was doing a Rogue episode today, he was like, oh, you're doing one without me, and I was like, babe, you've been absolutely slammed, I'm not gonna bug you to come and record, you know, <laughs> so he'll be back soon, it'll be all good, but I really hope I have some listeners left out there, and thank you all for sticking with us, I know that since this podcast's inception, it's been a bit of a roller coaster of just shit that's happened, you know, uh, and we've taken these massive breaks for months at a time, you know, we've had, you know, losses in the family, we've had, we've just had a lot of shit that has happened the past few years that, you know, just kind of get in the way sometimes, but that's, that's how life works, so, uh, it's, good to be back though it's good to know that sort of the worst is behind us and we can move forward and do bong hits and watch silly movies again with you guys so thanks for sticking it out with us um right so i guess that's a good place to to segue yeah into the movie uh tonight i am looking at don't answer the phone Run, if you must. Hello, operator. In emergency, can you help me? Hide, if you can. Scream, <gasps> if you are able. Who's there? But above all, if you are alone. 
don't answer the phone. He is out there, somewhere in the crowd, behind you, beside you, ready to kill again. No attempt to conceal the body. No one's like he wanted to be discovered. The nurse, the starlet, the student, the secretary. I am frightened of you. What does that do to you? Another title that is telling me how to live my fucking life. You know, don't go in the woods, don't go in the basement, don't answer the phone, you know. And can I just say off the top of the bat, like, right off the bat, not the top of the bat, but fuck it, I'll go with it. <laughs> can I just say right off the bat, for a movie called Don't Answer the Phone, there's not a whole lot of phone suspense in this movie. I was expecting, like, a scream kind of thing where, you know, the phone. No, no, not at all. I don't even know why they called it that. I guess because Dr. Gale is a radio psychiatrist, maybe, and he calls into the radio? Maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so Don't Answer the Phone is a 1980... It, it's hard for me to call it a horror because it's more, to me, it feels more like a, you know, like 70s crime drama, you know, but whatever you know who am i i'm not the boss of labeling fucking movies <laughs> so yeah 1980 it's about a serial killer slash rapist and you know the cat and mouse game that him and the cops play but there's not really a cat and mouse game going on it just sort of all stumbles together <laughs> we open the movie with this guy doing tai chi in the mirror like you know, there's a massive crucifix there, and there's a mirror, and he's, like, looking in the mirror, doing these Tai Chi moves. It's not actually Tai Chi, but, you know, it's like it enough. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to a nurse coming home, you know. We get the killer POV here. Ah, the, the, the late 70s, early 80s were great for their killer POVs, and the grittiness of it. I love the film quality. <laughs> it just feels... Anyway, uh, so we get the killer POV watching the nurse undress, and then her phone rings. Oh, does she answer it? She does. <laughs> and the person on the other end of the phone is supposed to be her mom, and she's... Well, I think it is. Like, she keeps calling her mom, but that is clearly a dude on the phone. Like... Her mom sounds like a 45-year-old white man from Wisconsin or something. So dude mom and her talk for a bit. And he creeps up behind her. And then he just, like, punches her in the face. Strangles her. Doesn't seem like he's great at strangling. Like, he seems... There's a lot of grasping around her neck. It's just like, you know, pick a spot and stick with it, dude. <laughs> Much like my sex life. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh... 
he, he's kind of shit at strangling. So she goes unconscious and he rips her top open and her boobs fall out and she's like and he starts doing this fucking stupid ass laugh what's it what was the fucking dog called from uh the Hanna-Barbera Olympics <laughs> was it Muttley he does like a Muttley laugh <laughs> thinks the boobs dead boobs are apparently fucking hilarious um, uh, and then we later on see him driving around and looking for women and he approaches this woman and it's like oh I'm a photographer blah 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 you know the old photographer really a serial killer gag that we all know and love <laughs> um, so then we cut to uh, Dr. Gale alright we're introduced to Dr. Gale Dr. Gale is this psychiatrist that does a radio show where people can call in and you know th throw out some random problem and she helps them and the first person that calls her right she's <laughs> this woman's like oh I'm kind of worried about my son's behavior he uh, oh he he wraps his dolls up in ropes and chains and throws them against the wall and then he cut up his goldfish with some scissors and he says he wants to do the same to his little sister do you think I should do something about my son's behavior it's like you fucking think lady really <laughs> little Timmy just gouged the dog's eyes out do you think I should maybe like intervene or do something you know just <laughs> worst parent ever. anyway so after she gets off the phone with this woman with the demon child, the killer calls. Because we've got the old killer calling into a radio show trope, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he has this accent that's like the Frenchman from Monty Python. Uh, Holy Grail, you know. And he's just like, oh, my headaches are getting much better. <laughs> wow. Um, clearly not the brightest of killers <laughs> uh, and then we cut to him weightlifting in the dark and he has this massive belt buckle and this belt on and these red pants and it looks like Puma Man like he doesn't look like Puma Man but that belt screams Puma Man so really he's just a killer because he's meant to be Puma Man and missed his calling and went insane or maybe, you know, when they came to make him Puma Man, <laughs> they were like, okay, this guy's batshit, so we'll get this other dude. But anyway, um, and we cut to uh, Dr. Gale having a session, right, with this woman, and she's talking about the abuse she suffered as a child, and, you know, she's like, oh, and, and he used to watch me undress and stuff, and she's like and you let him like victim blaming from the shrink that's that's fantastic I don't know how qualified she is anyway though because later she's instead of allowing her to, to go through her thing or whatever she like starts bitching at her you know she's she says you have to take responsibility you have to 
you know, be more assertive. You have to do this. You have to do that. Just talking down to this patient. And it works because the lady's like, yeah, today's going to be a good day. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be assertive. And you know what that means. You know that bitch is about to die. <laughs> so the killer follows her, the, the patient home. And she gets home and she takes her dress off and she sits down in front of the mirror. And then she starts, it's like she just notices for the first time that she has boobs. She's like looking at them and sort of lightly caressing them like, oh, when, when did I get these? Because <laughs> women totally do that. We forget we have boobs sometimes, you know, until you look in the mirror and you're like, oh yeah, I've got boobs. This is fantastic. <laughs> so he attacks this patient, right, who's the victim of childhood abuse, and he goes in and he's like pretending to be her dad and stuff, it's actually pretty, ugh, like you really want this guy to be stabbed several times, um, but he gets this candle, and he holds it up in the air, and he's like, what does he say, like in the name of the father or something like that, and he pours it on her. And he thinks it's fucking hilarious. He does his little muttly laugh again. And then we cut to the next scene. Dun dun dun. Which is uh, the task force. You know, talking about the killer. You got a bunch of cops in a room. And they're talking about, you know, the killer. And they've got this Sigmund Freud lookalike. Of their waxing philosophical about the killer. Uh, for about two minutes before the cop's like, yeah, okay. Off you fuck. And then you get a montage of the task force working to 70s porno music. It's fantastic. It's like 70s porno music plays in a room full of desks, but it's just these guys in button-up shirts going through paperwork and stuff and opening file cabinets. It's so action-packed, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and then we cut to the killer uh, you know one of those stalking for a victim while driving through the city streets? He does one of those. And it, the lighting on it is actually pretty great because everyone's clothes look kind of like blacklit. Like they are all glowy and stuff. And you look at a massive crowd full of people in sort of blacklit clothing and you just think, how the fuck is he going to pick somebody out of that? Like, they all look, they all stand out so much that no one does that makes sense <laughs> um so then we cut to i don't know where i guess he picked this woman up when he was around looking for a victim and she's blonde and adorable and has little halter tops and she's only been in la for two weeks and it's like her dream come true to be a model and an actress and uh, she can't believe her luck that she's met this photographer and she's gonna be on the cover in the next magazine, and it's a dream. And it's like, bitch, you're in a horror movie. You don't dream. You're not allowed to have dreams. If you have dreams in a horror movie, you know you're gonna die, like immediately. Um, so yeah, you get the. Uh, he goes, oh well, we'll get you dressed. She gets dressed in this leather jacket and everything, and he's like, okay, we're just gonna put this on you, and it's a belt with handcuffs on it. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's totally totally normal for a mainstream photo shoot you know i can't tell you how many bondage photo shoots i've seen in like vogue and <laughs> shit like that but she lets him because she's apparently 
really legitimately only been in LA for two weeks <laughs> and obviously kills her, dumps her body. So they discover the body and we get some like a bit of comic relief. There's this comic relief cop and this is the only time he's even, his remarks are even somewhat on the mark. Uh, but the rest of the movie, it's just, you, you know, it's kind of like, just filter him out as you're watching it. Um, he's not, there are worse comic relief cops in movies. I'm not going to sit here and act like he's horrible. You know, at least he's not bumbling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then we instantly cut to the killer ugly crying. Just, you know, as you do. And then we cut back to Dr. Gale in a session with the most wholesome looking drug addict I've ever seen. Like, this woman's supposed to be a drug addict, but she looks like fucking, you know, she would be on Facts of Life or something. She's got, I don't know, she's got the girl mullet and everything, and she's all, like, oh, she's so wholesome, you know. That's the girl that, you know, invites you to go out and play softball at the weekend and shit. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, then we're introduced to Demetrius, the psychic, and he does talk like this because you cannot be psychic and not speak in a mysterious, somewhere in Europe accent. <laughs> He's in this black suit and everything, and they're they're like, okay, give us give us your knowledge, psychic. And he holds a thing, you know, one of her, the nurse's belongings up to his head, describes the murder. And the cop's like, okay, book this guy, because he knows too much. And then we cut to a scene of them walking in an alley, making fun of the guy for trying to arrest the psychic. And we never hear anything else about it again. <laughs> Demetrius has vanished. We do not know where he is. But his psychic powers must be helping someone else, eh? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the point of him was, but there you go. He existed, and he was in there. So here we see the killer going into this adult bookstore to sell his photographs. You know, he takes, he takes photographs of all these women that he rapes and kills. Uh, obviously, he doesn't bring the raped and killed part to the bookstore, but all the other ones, you know, he sells to the adult bookstore. He leaves and buys some smack and some coke, as you do, and then he just sort of wanders around for a while, and they take the movie takes us with him. There are a lot of porno movie theaters in this fucking neighborhood, can I just say, whatever neighborhood he's in, wow, you will not be hurting. If you're in the mood to watch some porn on the big screen, that's the place to go. There was like six theaters. <laughs> uh, so he meets this, grabs this hooker, and they go up to a room, and he shoots her up. Doesn't show that. You know, you can show rape and murder, but don't you dare show some shooting up. <laughs> uh, so he shoot, they shoot up, and he gets the hooker to call Dr. Gale on her radio show. So she's sat there, and she's like, oh, my name's Denise, and I'm a prostitute, and I don't really want to be a prostitute anymore, and I'm a drug addict and stuff, and uh, this guy I'm with told me to call you, and apparently he calls you all the time, and everything like that about these headaches, and then he kills her while he's live on the air with Dr. Gale, 
<laughs> and she's just like, oh shit, you know. Well. So she goes to the police. Oh, can I, hold on a minute. Before she goes to the police, can I just say, the girl's pimp went up there. Because he was like, oh, they've been gone a long time. And he goes up there to protect her. Like, your job is a pimp. You have one job. You protect the merchandise. That is what you do. <laughs> and he pulls the shittiest little switchblade knife I've ever seen. Like, if you stabbed someone with this thing, it would just break the knife. It wouldn't even... They might get, a t like, an inch depth in a, into a human. And not if they're wearing clothes, either. You gotta strip them down to actually break the skin with this piece of shit. And it's... Your only job is to protect these hookers. And you're not even carrying a decent fucking weapon? Come on, man. Who taught you how to pimp? Anyway. <laughs> um, so, obviously, get Dr. Gale goes to the cops and everything. And her and this one cop are just bitchy with each other all the time. So, they give a little attitude. And she gives them the copy. Uh, here's a copy of the phone call. And here's a copy of another call that we think is the guy. <clears throat> and then we cut to the killer. Right? And he's staring in the mirror. And he's just like, I am all man. I can do whatever I want. And I was like, yeah. This guy clearly voted for Trump. <laughs> and that's it. They, they they cut back to the cops searching for the pimp. Because they're like, right, we got three types of blood, and what if the other person is her pimp, and he would have seen the killer? So they're looking for this pimp and stuff. And they're like, oh, he hangs out at this massage parlor with this chick named Hot Pants. Man, okay, I'm gonna say... <laughs> The 70s and 80s were so fucking great because you could get away with naming yourself Hot Pants. God damn it we don't get good nicknames like that these days. Where is Hot Pants? <laughs> Why is there not more of this? Anyway, uh, so they go and look. They go to this brothel to look for Hot Pants. And someone drops an N-bomb, which I was not pleased about. Uh... And then, because they're cops that are there, obviously the lady at the front says, uh, you know, calls to the back and says, oh, it's a bust, you know. And all the hookers and everything uh, start jumping out of windows and stuff. It's one of those hilarious brothel bust scenes. I've never seen an actual brothel bust, but I'd like to imagine it's like it is in the movies. You know, just hookers everywhere <laughs> uh, and so they find the pimp and they're like yo hold up and he shoots at them and they shoot him like 50 times and that's it that's their lead gone their only lead and they uh, moan about having to do paperwork and that's that's the end of that lead so when we cut to the killer back at his house topless, wearing his Puma Man bottoms, drinking a glass of beer, and talking to his imaginary dad. Or like, not talking to his imaginary dad, but he's having a pretend conversation with his dad, you know. And he's saying, yeah, you know, do I measure up now, dad? And I bet, you know, you didn't know I was this much of a big hairy badass 
And he drops the N-bomb a couple of times, goes on about women for a while. This guy, again, clearly voted for Trump. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we got a, a white supremacist. Maybe he's a vet from Vietnam, they think. Maybe not. Sexist piece of shit. And he's getting away with it. <laughs> uh, so then we cut from Trump supporter Puma Man to the cops talking a jumper off the ledge. And Dr. Gale tries to talk, talk to her and get her to come off the ledge. But she's not successful. So the cop that she's had this thing with talks her off the ledge and now they respect each other now she realizes he's not that bad and he did a good job so obviously they bang <laughs> and it's terrible terrible 80s banging too where it's like they just sort of like hug up together and wriggle around a little bit like the blanket doesn't even come off when have you ever successfully had sex and the blankets not come off of you. That blanket should not be on the bed at all. But no, apparently, apparently they're having respectful sex with each other. <laughs> um, and then we cut from that to the killer weightlifting in the dark again. You know, talking to himself. I am so amazing. I am just all that is men. <laughs> and he. Cuts to him showing up at some blonde lady's house going, yo, I, uh, I'm the photographer and this guy sent me. And she's like, oh, what a dick. And he has to use her phone and goes in. And he says, oh, here's my portfolio if you want to look at it while I make my phone call. And it shows, like, she's going through the pictures. And she's like, oh, this really good lighting, blah, blah, blah. But then it shows it. And it's like, I have seen better pictures taken from any number of mobile phones. It, they're crap. They're, they were not good at all. How is this guy convinced anyone he is a professional photographer? I mean, I guess he is a professional photographer. He's supposed to be an actual professional photographer in the movie, I think. But, oh, he sucks. <laughs> So, you know, she tells him to fuck off, and he gets pissed off and strangles her. Then her roommate comes in and smashes him over the head with this really awesome lamp. You should see this lamp. It's fucking fantastic. It looks like it was about a foot and a half, two foot tall, and it was made from this 70s green glass with, like, the bobbles on it. So it's so great. <laughs> but she smashes it over his head, and that just pisses him off, and he strangles her roommate. But they made so much noise that this, I guess she's meant to be like a landlady or a neighbor or something, comes and starts banging on the door. So he just bolts. And obviously he left loads of shit there. So the cops are like, score? He left loads behind. He fucked up. You know, that's what cops are waiting for, people to fuck up. <laughs> and they trace from his photos and the shit he left, they trace it back to that adult bookstore that he was selling his photographs at earlier. And the guy, I, I love the adult bookstore owner. He's so your typical late 70s, early 80s pornographer. He's fantastic. Some big cigar and just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know. Um, so they, he, they get the address of uh, the killer from the adult bookstore guy. And so they go to his house and they have their little conversation. I'm going in. Well, we don't have probable or we don't have a warrant. Well, we got probable cause. And, you know, 
I mean, I don't, I don't even need to tell you. You guys know that conversation from every movie ever. <laughs> so, they go in. It's the wrong house. The one they want is next door. God damn it, cops. Why do you always do this? So, they go next door, and he's not there. Because he is stalking Dr. Gale. You know, he's watching her. We get POV shots of him watching her, you know, through her house and stuff. And back to the cops and going into his house. And they've got the photo uh, photography studio and they found all the porn, which I didn't know it was illegal to take pornographic pictures, but whatever. And all of all this evidence against him. So they're like, yeah, got him. And then they found a stack of photos of Dr. Gale. So he rushes over to Dr. Gale's house and... You know, busts in the door, and boom, 80 synth music, cop versus killer, punch v punch. They start fighting. They start fighting, and it's but it's not a really a very long fight scene, you know. Um, he, it, it's yeah. They they punch, they wrestle around and shit. Oh, this is after, cause like the whole the, the reason Dr. Gale is still alive is because he. She keeps asking him these stupid-ass fucking questions. Did you have a puppy when you were little? And he's like, oh, I had a puppy, and I loved it, and it was so sweet. And then I strangled it because it shit on my grandma's rug. And you're like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> oh, it's so adorable. And then I fucked that shit up. <laughs> so that allowed the cop time to get to her house uh, so they could have their cop fight. And the cop eventually shoots him in, like, the hip. Like, that weird area that's not quite up to your hip, but it's, like, where your leg is connecting to your hip. And cuffs him. And he goes and unties Dr. Gale. It's like, oh, I got him. Blah, blah, blah. And obviously, the cop, or the killer, just rips the handcuffs apart, as you do. You know, because he's super strong. And attacks him again. Instead of running away. I told you, this killer is not fucking bright. He got his hand... He ripped his handcuffs apart. And instead of fucking off... Oh, no, I'm gonna... I'm gonna go and... Attack the cop that already kicked my ass once. So, cop throws him through... I guess, like, a window or a door or something. Goes into the alley. And shoots him. Like, loads of times. And he's not going down. And the way his body is positioned, it looks like... Almost like somebody is holding on to the top of his jeans and his belt from behind and, like, holding him up awkwardly. <laughs> but he shoots him loads of times and he lands in the water and everything. And then we get... We get the... We get the cop one-liner at the end. He's like, adios, creep. And the movie ends. That's it. Dead killer floating in the fucking water of something. Adios, creep. <laughs> So, um, uh, my thoughts, my thoughts, well, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Don't Answer the Phone a 3.5 hatchets, and I'll tell you why, I really like the gritty feel to it, I love how everything looks, you know, I, I, I just love the style of shooting that was really popular in the 70s and 80s horror movies and stuff, it's fantastic. Uh, it was fun. The killer was kind of hilarious, but I think he could have been more over the top, to be honest. But... Uh, I, to me, there was not enough phone answering. There should have been 
much more phone answering. You call you, maybe don't answer the phone. Then, damn it, make it to where people really don't want to answer the phone. Because most of the people killed in this movie did not answer a phone at all. There was no phone involved in, the, you know, like, I, I don't know. They didn't, there wasn't enough phone. Enough, not enough phone to justify the title. <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, so 3.5 hatchets on uh, the Black Annis scale of Doom, which I'm, I'm so excited to rate something. It's so nice to be back. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed the Rogue episode. We will be back probably in two weeks' time. We'll be back with a new episode out. Hopefully Ben will be there, fingers crossed. And if not, I'll try to pick something fun for everyone. Oh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to get in touch, just join the Black Annis Horror Podcast Facebook group. Uh, you can find us on Legion and obviously any other sort of iTunes, clones, podcast addict, that sort of thing. Uh, we do not have an email. The best way to get a hold of us is Facebook. Uh, we do, I mean, we have an email, but we never ever check it. Like I've said several times in every other episode, I think I give that warning. <laughs> and uh, we will see you soon. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that rock. And me. My team. Been